0: guys this is doug and you're listening to what's the hazard before we get started with today's episode i'd like to thank our sponsors fallowich construction services custom concrete specialists Worksafe consulting the nebraska department of labor on-site consultation group and our latest sponsor make you safe thank you one and all for your support i sincerely appreciate it now let's get to today's episode Uh, It is January 6th, Friday, here in Omaha, Nebraska, and we are starting our fourth year of What's the Hazard? Amazing. Thank you to Herdat Media and all the folks that have helped along the way. Um, I want to really give a a, a thanks to my sponsors, everyone who has helped with the program. Um, John Falowich at Falowich Construction Services. John and Matt Falowich, thank you very much, guys. Cheyenne Wolford, Custom Concrete Specialists. Thank you, Cheyenne, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, Jim Cover the Nebraska Department of Labor Onsite Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Gabe Glenn, and all of the folks over at Make You Safe, the the leader in workforce wearables. Um, These guys are amazing. I've been working with them over the last few years, and it is tremendous um, what they're doing. Um, So check them out. Make You Safe. Um, any other sponsors, if you're interested, I'm interested, we need your help. So if that's something that appeals to you, um, let me know. You can reach me at Doug at FletcherSafety.com. Um, the other thing that we were considering, I was just talking with cam, the producer about it. I've had a few people contact me and ask if they could be supporters of the program, not necessarily sponsors to that level. And we would take all the help we can get. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast in some way, reach out to me, Doug at FletcherSafety.com, and let me know if you would like to be a guest or if you have recommendations for guests, if you have topic ideas, or if you want to just support the podcast financially, a few bucks here or there. It's like PBS almost without the educational element, I think. Um, My good buddy, Dale Kugler, I was speaking with him yesterday. Many of you know Dale Lockton um he asked about helping out and so he committed to a dollar a month so 12 dollars our first patreon or patron or whatever we call them so thank you dale anyway folks uh, 2022 is a great year i appreciate everyone that participated all the guests all the listeners certainly all my sponsors so um we are looking forward to 2023 we intend to bring you great content great guests more information, more discussion. Uh, we're looking at always looking at different ways to provide better value and more usefulness to the program. So I know I'm looking forward to it, and uh, thank you again for your support. Um, just a short episode today, current events. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, I, I don't know if you were watching the uh, Monday Night Football game The DeMar Hamlin incident, I know Cam's shaking his head. I was watching the game, the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals, and a young man on the Bills, DeMar Hamlin, was making a tackle, took a shot to the chest by the receiver, um, stood up immediately after the hit, and then fell down, um, apparently in distress. And the first responders, the team people, ran out to provide that assistance, and apparently found him um, in cardiac arrest. You know, that shot to the chest apparently disrupted his heart rhythm. Uh, He went down in cardiac arrest, and then for a number of minutes, a number of horrifying minutes, the, the medical personnel, other responders were providing assistance in the form of CPR. I think they defibrillated him. The ambulance was out on the field. It was really terrifying, and it made me think of... A few things. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you to all first responders. If you are a person who has taken it upon yourself to provide that type of assistance, first aid, CPR, higher level uh, emergency care, EMTs, paramedics, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I think that goes overlooked and underappreciated at times, and that is really a, a tremendous service that you provide, so thank you for that. The other thing it made me think of is in workplaces, in in the places where I spend my time, manufacturing, construction, um, other types of workplaces like that, we we are subject to the same catastrophic incidents. There there is potential in every workplace that I go into for the same criticality of incident to occur, whether that be because of falls or, you know, amputation hazards, electrocutions, um, asphyxiations suffocations any number of other potentially horrible events and so while they don't go they're not very frequent fortunately and we spend a lot of time working to identify and mitigate these hazards that potential still exists and so OSHA does have a regulation as most of you are aware for the provision of medical services and first aid okay in the general industry sector it's 1910 151 And in the construction world, it's 1926, 50. But it basically requires um, employers to ensure that they can provide prompt initial medical response to an incident, you know, a serious incident. And so what we're talking about here is someone being able to provide that immediate medical assistance to an injured employee within – a prompt time frame. And so OSHA's regulation, it's 1910-151B on the general industry side, says in the absence of a hospital or clinic in near proximity, an employer shall have employees adequately trained in first aid to provide assistance until emergency responders can be summoned and arrive on scene. And so Basically, what they're saying is within three to four minutes, within three to four minutes, we have to be able to provide that assistance. If you have a municipal responder within three to four minutes so that you can, first of all, identify that we have an incident, we've had an incident, make contact with the emergency responder, get them on site, get them to the the employee, the victim in need of assistance and initiate that first response within four minutes, then you don't have to provide that. But name me a situation where we're confident that that's the case. Very, I mean, maybe if the fire department is across the street, perhaps, but in my opinion, as a former compliance officer and former OSHA person, and as just a safety professional, that's a big ask of our emergency responders. I know they would like to think that they can do that, but I think that as employers, we need to be confident that we can provide that assistance within that three to four minutes. And this DeMar Hamlin thing just emphasized how important that is. This young man went into cardiac arrest, and they were there immediately providing CPR. I think that was what was so horrifying for the, the other players on the field and the people watching. We didn't see that on TV, but they were giving him CPR until, until they could hook him up to the AED and start administering defibrillation, and then when they took him away in the ambulance. And so we need to consider, I think 2023 is the year that we need to make sure that we are prepared for any type of an emergency response situation, okay? Let's let's all agree that we're going to do that this year. Um, so if you have immediate access to a municipal responder, then all you – might want to do is just have volunteers you might have want to have good samaritans on site okay train people in first aid cpr ead and then if need be uh, and they are willing they can act as good samaritans and provide assistance to an employee who otherwise will be treated within three to four minutes by this municipal responder but if you don't have that access and again i don't think many people do many you can't say that with much confidence then we need to designate specific responders, get them trained up adequately in first aid and CPR, probably AED, perhaps even stopping bleeding, that type of thing, traumatic bleeding, prepare them and equip them with adequate supplies to be able to do that within that first three to four minutes of an incident. And so that's basically what the regulation says. There are a lot of um, shall language in these regulations. The employer shall ensure that adequately trained employees are available. The employer shall ensure that that adequate first aid supplies are available, readily accessible. So I think this basically applies to everybody, all right? So let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, we designate responders, all right? There's a difference between a good Samaritan Someone who happens to have some first aid CPR training and willingly assists. Good Samaritans are great, okay? I mean, critical. But designated responders, people, whether that be your supervisors, whether that's a voluntary team that has uh, agreed to participate as a first responder. Um, but we need to know that on every shift when our facilities or our workplaces are occupied, we have at least one to two designated responders, trained and prepared. Does that mean that they will always respond under all circumstances? Gosh, probably not. I'm not sure we can guarantee that. Under some circumstances, you know, the trauma of the incident might be too much for them. We get it, right? But we need to make sure that we have at least a few people on every shift. And depending on the nature of your workplace or the size of your workplace, getting someone to a scene within three to four minutes, even on some facilities may be asking a lot. You know, again, we've identified we've had an incident, we need assistance, we notify first responders through some type of a signaling or tele, you know, communication mechanism, and they get to that scene and start providing that initial care. I've been in facilities where that would be a big ask just with on, on site, you know, or the size of a of a construction project. So... I think we need to carefully consider how many people we need. Um, Do we have all of our shifts covered? And what are our concerns? I mean, if you're working in heavy industry with a lot of machinery, traumatic amputation is probably something that we need to consider. Or if we're working around a lot of sharps and things, maybe you know severe bleeding. If you're working in a food processing facility where you've got you know, 800 people with sharp knives working on the floor in the fab on the fab side, it's not out of the question that we should have, we could have some severe lacerations, amputations, things like that. So one of our burdens is to evaluate our workplace and determine, you know, what type of incidents are likely. If you're an electrician, okay, electric shock, electrocution, uh, if you are doing confined space entry, if you are logging or other things like this man um we need to give serious consideration to what the nature of the hazards are that where our employees are exposed to what potential exists and how we intend to respond to that so you know i can't emphasize enough and again based on what i saw on monday and the impact that had on me we need to be prepared to address these incidents in 2023 so Identify some staff that are willing or able to do this. Get them trained. First aid, probably CPR, AED, and perhaps even traumatic bleeding. I had a guest on not too long ago, Dustin Talaco. He's a paramedic here on the Omaha Fire Department. He teaches that class on stop the bleed, how to use tourniquets, how to pack wounds um, that are bleeding heavily. And then it's interesting because I went to – donate blood Uh, shortly after Dustin was on the program and the phlebotomist that was drawing my blood is also qualified to train that stop the bleed program. And so I wasn't even aware of it before this, but it's out there. And I think, I don't know that a lot of people are doing that. I don't know that a lot of people are in situations where amputations or traumatic bleeding might be possible or likely in their workplaces, if they're providing that level of training. So I think we need to do a critical look at what we've got in place, our preparation for these types of emergencies, and then get our employees trained up, get them the equipment that they need, the first aid supplies that they need, tourniquets, wound packing materials, gauze, tape, whatever that is, right? But um, I know that it was... It made an impact on me. I, I I have investigated lots and lots of incidents, serious incidents, fatalities over the years, but I rarely witness them. You know, usually that is after the fact. And uh, I think it just reminded me when I was watching that football game and that young man got hurt. You know, it, it may be, there may be very low probability that these things happen, but they do, and when they do, God, we just want to be prepared, right? I know that the medical staff at the University of Cincinnati Hospital has come out and said that uh, Demar is making great progress. He's awake, but they all credited the first responders with, you know, saving the kid's life. I mean, if they if that they had not been there, then he wouldn't have survived. So the same is true of our workplaces, right? If we don't have those trained personnel on staff, the likelihood of a good outcome is very low. So let's let's. Let's resolve in 2023 that we are going to be prepared. That doesn't mean we're not focusing on prevention. We're not going to continue to focus on identifying serious hazards and mitigating those hazards to the extent we can. Building capacity into our systems to lessen the severity of any bad outcomes. You know, like Todd Conklin has told me for the last year. But let's be prepared, okay? Um, and I, I hate to start the year off on a note like that. It sounds like (laughs) gloom and doom. I'm not, I'm not a gloom and doom guy, but I'm a, I'm a reality guy. I'm a pragmatist and we want to be prepared for that kind of thing. So that's my message for starting off the program this year. Let's take a serious look at how prepared we are and let's take the steps necessary to ensure that we're prepared for any, likely bad outcomes in our facilities or on our construction sites, okay? Um, The last thing I'm going to say is, again, you can reach me, Doug at FletcherSafety.com. You can reach me on LinkedIn. I think somehow, I don't know exactly how you do that, but if you pull my name up and find my face, you might be able to send me a message. We would love to address the topics that are of interest to you. Uh, We have talked about this. We would love your input and feedback. I got a LinkedIn message from uh, from a colleague about a week ago, asking about non routine tasks. How to do planning and preparation for non routine tasks? And immediately, I thought that's a great topic for discussion for the podcast. So I reached out to a few of my colleagues. We're going to set up an episode where we're going to talk about non routine tasks. If if this whole year was dedicated to answering your questions or addressing topics of interest to you, I would be thrilled by that. So if there is something that you would like us to address, if you would like to be a guest on the program and talk about something that you have become aware of that you would like to share, you think might be valuable, let us know. Um, We would love to cover that stuff. Otherwise, I'm really excited for 2023. Great sponsors, great supporters, great listeners, and great guests. And great technical people. So um, thank you very much for your support over the first three years. And we want to make the program even better and more valuable for you this year. So I appreciate you. I hope you have a great year. Keep doing what you're doing. This is critically important work. Your employees and the people that you are charged with protecting are counting on you. So even when it gets a little frustrating, stick to it. And uh, I'll have guests for you next week.